Vince Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Silver 7's hour number two. We're actually going to get into a bunch of Mountain West Conference basketball. So we're uh, trying to hunt down uh, Brian Dutcher of San Diego State. That was a hoot last night, huh? San Diego State on the road against Fresno. Always a freaking war for some reason. We know the reasons. There's a lot of heat on both sides with Justin Hudson moving on to Fresno State. So we'll get into that. Reno's in Vegas. We're hanging out here just off the strip. Flamingo and Paradise. Silver 7's JVT is in. For the remainder of the show, back at the Finley Toyota Studios is Ari. Angel's helping us out down here as well. We start off the 4 o'clock hour with the Big Four. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at 4. Number 4. Haven't seen you in just a couple of days. You yep. did. You did. Go out for Valentine's Day. I saw some pictures up on Instagram. Very nice. Very nice. That was not on Valentine's Day. Oh, when was it? Earlier? I saw you on Valentine's Day. Oh, that's a good point. We were at the game. Yep, and I was working yeah, before that. And not one of us could do it. Yep. When was that? That was just like a couple months ago. Just a picture of my beautiful oh, wife. Oh, it was a couple months ago. You yeah. actually didn't do Valentine's Day. No, we haven't done anything yet. Are you going to do anything? Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe not. We have a family vacation coming up next week. Valentine's Day has never really been a big thing for us. So, yeah, no, probably not. I wouldn't say anything like specific when it comes to that, at least. Has there ever been pressure to do something on Valentine's Day? Not from her. Your wife is cool? I've actually been more of the sap when it comes to Valentine's Day. Yes. In that, like, I'll mention that it's that. Or, like, like for example, that Tuesday. That was Tuesday, right? Um, I'm the one that woke up and said, happy Valentine's Day. Like, you know, give a nice little kiss or whatever and, you know, go about the day. But it's never been a big deal. It's not a bad day for you as a guy. No. Like, no it's, it's not a pressure-filled day. No. I mean, well, I think, good. too... I mean, you're, you're obviously not married, but, like, once you're married, you have two kids, you've been together for a while, in your case, I would assume it loses, not not loses its luster, but, like, it's, it's just a corporatized holiday, Steve. It's solid. I don't want to be, like, down on it, but like you said, we were both working. Right. So, I will say we're lucky that our mates are understanding and don't try to weaponize Valentine's Day. I think some people do that. Yes. Um, it's made a lot of guys very bitter. Uh, I did two shows with Willie, one before and one after, and I was like, whoa, he's... He's got some. He's got some deep-seated feelings about Valentine's Day because we talked about. Uh, I guess there's alternate names for Valentine's Day. Like you, you know, you can turn it into like Galentine's Day if you got your gal pals. And she actually went to one like the day before. Oh, there you go. Like yeah. But Willie, Willie was really pushing for like a a pal or some kind of you know whatever. I don't know. Man and uh, it doesn't work, right? Valentine's Ma- Day. Time's Day. Yeah. Valentine's Day. He wanted yeah. to step up for the guys. I don't plan. You know, hey, you're on the guys' team. That's good. I'm on the guys' team. I don't know. I guess it sounds a little oddly salty. Maybe there's, there's it, something. It in. was. Uh, I thought there was some salt there. Yeah, I thought there was and some salt there. By the way, my Valentine's Day. If my wife was like that, could have gotten bad because um, you and I were texting about it. I had actually forgotten I had to do the San Jose State game. So not only was I working that day, yeah. but I told her at like 11, I was like, ooh, by the way, when I'm done with work tonight, Sorry. I actually got to go to the Thomas and Max another, Center. Another five hours. Yeah. Coming. <laughs> You're like, lucky. Oh, okay. Ooh, if you had made plans, that oh, could have yeah. been a disaster. Yeah. It would have been pretty bad. I got a for, I for Valentine's Day, for post-Valentine's Day, um, I hadn't even thought of what we could do a couple of days later. So the uh, the SO, the significant other, right, my girlfriend, she texted me, said, do you want to go get something to eat? She simply wanted to get ramen mm. and 
it's so it, we have such weird conversations because I'm such a leftover person and such a value person. I was like, eh. I'm like, do you think you want to you want to get that same ramen you always get? Because you know you never really eat the leftovers. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, this post Valentine's Day, let her get what she wants. Right. And then we get to the restaurant, and she's like, can I get that? I'm like, all right, what? Like that's not the way I meant it. But oh, she, I, I, she was like over the moon yeah. just to go get some ramen on a cold night, and then we hit a couple of fancy uh, watering holes. One of them included, um, I guess I won't give the pop, but it would be an Asian themed slot hall that has popped up in town. Yeah, and they have like two fifty beers. Do they really? Yes, yes. I gotta go to that. And and they're, the setup is weird because it's all about the machines, but there's a lot of open space because they they bought all these gigantic former bars mm-hmm. so the open space just has tables with some plugs some usbs and like n- not it's there's nothing there you just sit she's like i love these tables and i'm like all right that actually sounds i've never been inside one that sounds like a great spot to go it to. is they are the quietest places ever it's it's weird but actually i looked at her not to get sappy but i was like this is why you're awesome because you're like literally happy just sitting across from each other at a table and, you know, like showing each other tweets and videos and talking. Yep. I was like, this is great. Not, where are my flowers? This is all we're doing? None of that. <laughs> None of the Willie stuff. <laughs> Number three. She also likes to go to sporting events. So I got to pay, pay off, uh, you know, all the time that I spend working and going around. Like you said, every, you know, because you know, it's a relationship. You know, you got to be around sometimes, right? Got to go to sporting events here and there because she likes sports. I don't know if she's going to be into baseball if it lands here she'll want to go to dodger games mm-hmm. as an la native i don't know man i don't know where i am on this i still don't believe this is real i still believe that we've got one or two media sources here who are basically spreading the message for the a's to fire back at oakland if oakland doesn't get its crap together but now we've got a third site so for northern nevadans who haven't been in tune with this. We've barely been covering it because none of us on this show believe it's real. Correct. It started, it was like a countdown. Hey, oh, uh, the A's are looking at 16 sites, now eight, now four. It was like a tournament, right? We get a story every three months. Then they got down to two. It's a Tropicana on the corner of Trop and LV Boulevard, an old property. And then you got the LV Festival Grounds, and really no one outside of Vegas knows what the hell that is. It's a big piece of property across from the Sahara at Sahara and LV Boulevard. Well, now a third property has emerged. I don't know where the source is on this. I just believe it's the A's trying, I to, put, so trying to put more heat. Um, and it's the property where the Rio sits right now. It is a massive piece of property, and the, the Rio is getting a little beat up and dilapidated. From a convenience standpoint, um, I think that's probably the best spot. I agree. Of the three that have been mentioned. But I also I don't believe this is real. I'm, should I? Because now, now we've got Governor Lombardo starting to comment on it. Like, he initially came out and said, you know, no tax money for a baseball stadium. And then he, I think, like, within 10 minutes, a bunch of people called him up. And they're like, no, 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 you can't. You don't do that. Right. Open the door a little bit. So he's been commenting on it. What, what do you make of this story? We've been, it's been like a year and a half, two years, and we bring it up every so often. Does it feel more real now? No. Uh, I think you're right. I think every time we get one of these, this is more information from the Oakland Athletics than it is from anybody here in Las Vegas. It's almost like you like you read between the lines of some of these reports, uh, like around the NBA, right? Like you see a report, Russell Westbrook has interest in the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, well, yeah, of course Russell Westbrook would have interest. Is is that interest reciprocated? And it's the same thing here. Like, the, the, the even in the wording in the report, 
the Oakland Athletics have added another site where they could build the billion-dollar ballpark. By the way, interesting choice of they could build, right? Uh, Let's go. Okay, now I'm in. Right, exactly. If you're going to build it, I'll come. (laughs) But who is they? Right, exactly. Uh, And the A's are now seriously considering the land where the Rio sits on Flamingo Road just west of the Strip. A person with knowledge of the dealings. Okay, the A's are seriously considering it. Yeah, I would too because it's a nice piece of land. How are you getting it? Who's buying it? Who's building the stadium? Of course they're considering it because it would be a good spot for a baseball spot. The question is, how is it happening? So I'm with you. I think there's just more stuff being thrown there about the athletics so they can put pressure on the other side. I do not believe that for any instance that this is actually a step closer to happening. Number two. You haven't been on all week to talk about Patrick Mahomes, and that was why I bet the Chiefs because he's the best player in the game, and as it turned out, he had the ball basically last in the game. The Eagles didn't put him away. We got a second Chiefs Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Then we start getting into the game and little moments in the game, and you see how good Mahomes is. What did you find? So, and I know this is long, so we don't have to play it, I guess, but like, what the, the basic concept is, so you know how on the right side when they scored that touchdown to Kadarius Toney, there was that simple motion in, and then he breaks out of the motion, goes back the other direction, gets the Eagles who are essentially switching on those things to bite in one direction, and he's wide open. So we know that Sky Moore is then scores a touchdown on the opposite side, essentially what was the same play. Well, apparently, uh, if you listen to some of the NFL Films audio, the he had called that play exactly the same, but the entire team lined up in the wrong formation. The same motion that they did earlier when the Eagles blew the coverage on the other side. It's the same exact play they ran earlier. All they did was swap out Sky Moore for Kadarius Tony, and they don't pass it off again. They're different plays. They're good. My assistant coach is unbelievable. Formation. I know we were. I know. That's why I want the motion to run. I want the motion this dude on the other side. KG pointed that way. I was like, I don't know. The play we were wrong formation. The clock was running down. I looked over. I don't know. We'll run it. I called it right. They lined up wrong. Let's go, dog. I got you, baby. Great job. Great job. We're not done. We're not done. The zero was as clear as day. You could see it. Yeah. They were both stacked. If he was walking in, I was like, they can't handle the slack. They're struggling with it. That, that jet motion. And that killing. chaos in Armageddon is what goes on on the sidelines. You and yeah. I both get a chance to work college football sidelines. It's crazy. And guess what? Things like that happen. Sometimes the wrong formation is called. You line up incorrectly. Someone's got to make a play. And the best thing you you hear him mention it there. They show the clip with it. Obviously, you do see Mahomes. Point to Tony to mention, motion him in, and Tony goes, no, and he points to the other side. So Mahomes just like, all right. So he motions him in, and then sure enough, it's a touchdown. It's incredible. <laughs> but you know, a lot of that is solved when, in practice, mm-hmm. and these guys have all been together. Not Tony, and that's Sky Moore, right? But yeah, they've been working on it the whole year. Mahomes has been around all these offensive guys, so on the fly, I'm sure there's a lot of teams that would have just spit the bit on that, right? And it's also the same basic concept. Like you said, they're all pre- pretty much ready for whatever it goes. But at the same time, man, this Chiefs team's freaking good, and Patrick Holmes is incredible, and they're going to be at the top of the AFC for a really long time. Number one. I'm ready, brother. I am ready. I'm already into college basketball, right? Been covering that all year. NBA now. Been watching a bunch the last couple of days, and with all the trades, it feels like we just hit the restart button. Uh, here's Stephen A. reacting to KD going to Phoenix, debate with Jay Williams about who the pressure is on with the Suns, and Stephen A is like, the pressure 
is on CP3. This is a golden opportunity for Chris Paul. I got Kevin Durant now. I got Devin Booker with Kevin Durant now. And I got a seven-foot center that I've been schooling and tutoring for the last couple of years. And DeAndre Ayton, you CP3. This is the best chance you've had to win a championship. Pressure's probably the wrong word, right? Like, he's an old man. He still can play. He's the fifth or sixth option on the team. I mean, if he if he goes out there and he's like, you know, one of ten every game, and, right. he, and then eventually Monty Williams is like, you suck. You, you're playing 12 minutes. Then that's going to look like he folded. But he's got a golden opportunity here. And I, I don't know. Is there pressure on anyone? Like, pressure. I, I don't think so, because I think what he's essentially saying is just like he said it at the end. Like, this is just his best opportunity to win a championship. So I guess that's the pressure, right? It's not so much pressure from outside forces. It's you're you're a long-storied veteran that has been a very good player in this league. You don't get many bites at the apple. You had one when you were up two nothing over the Bucks and you blew it. Now the pressure, to use the term again, is just on you. If you want your first ring, this is going to yeah. be one of your best opportunities to get it. And that's exactly what Jay Williams and Stephen A. eventually got to, which is the pressure is not going to be from the outside. Chris Paul's he's a competitor, man. Yep, and he he knows. You see, you see how you know pissed off and emotional he gets and dirty he gets. Like he's got to win this. They they set him up here. He has a chance to win. The West is a, a pain in the ass, though. Also, I mean, speaking of pain in the asses, it's very simplistic. Say so you got the seven foot center that you've been schooling. By all accounts, DeAndre Ayton has been headbutting with people behind the scenes in Phoenix for a really long time. Now he's ready. Right? Like it's not that simple. <laughs> no, no, and. Uh, the gauntlet they'll have to go through is pretty tough. I want to get into the Lakers later on, man. I, I really like what the Lakers did from a roster standpoint. A couple of sneaky moves at the last minute. Nevada Sports Talk Hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Same number, 766-1400, whether you're in Reno, Henderson, or Vegas. After Seiko's fifth three-ball went down, made it a 22-point game, which tied the largest lead of the day. Field and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, let's talk some Mount West Conference basketball with the tournament coming here March 5th to 11th. We have a chance to uh, talk to a bunch of the coaches around the Mountain West, and that was Keyshaw Johnson with the dunk uh, back on Saturday against UNLV. And, uh, you know, San Diego State's been the uh, standard bearer in this conference. Brian Dutcher is up to talk a little uh, Mountain West hoops and what's going on with the Aztecs. It's Steve and John in Vegas. How are you, Coach? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, I wanted to joke right out of the gates. Are you limping around today? Did uh, did, I, did you get banged and bruised last night? Because that game was insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I told him after the game we'd won in the 80s, the 70s, the <laughs> 60s, but I, I don't think I'd ever won in the 40s. We won in the 40s last night. I mean, what what happened down the stretch on both sides? Was the defense that good? I mean, we're talking about final eight minutes. It was like a 10-8 game. Uh, you guys fell down with like four left, then it was 5-2 from there. How did it kind of g- turn into a grinder, especially in those last eight minutes? You know, it just seems Justin Hudson was a former assistant of ours at San Diego State. We kind of know each other really well. And even back when they had Orlando Robinson last year, who's in the NBA now, those games were a grind, and I think it's just kind of the culture of both programs that when we match up, points are hard to come by, and they were again last night. Brian Dutcher's on the horn with Cofield and company. The tournament's coming up here in town, Mountain West Conference, over at the Thomas & Mack, uh, March 5th to the 8th. Uh, locally, you can go to the mw.com slash 2023 to get tickets or just go to UNLV Tickets. 
com. So let's talk about the balance in the conference. You guys have had a really good year. Uh, Boise State's had a good year. Really good record from Nevada as well. But I think the last couple of weeks have shown that uh, if anyone's a little bit off, you know, like you guys last night, that was a really tight game. UNLV got upset here uh, against San Jose State. New Mexico just fell the other night to Wyoming. I just want you to talk about what you've seen this year in terms of the challenges and the balance where any team on any night can step up and pull off the upset. Yeah, and that's what's going to make the conference tournament so special. I'm trying to think of my first year. I might have been sitting in sixth place, fifth place, and we ended up winning the conference tournament to go to the NCAA. So I think there's any slew of teams in this conference, from the Rebels all the way down to Fresno State to San Jose, that if you catch them on the right three nights, they can make a run and make the tournament out of our conference tournament. That's how much parity there is. But let's talk about you guys because, you know, going back to Fisher and now with you, I think it's continued. There, There is something about you guys, and I guess a lot of it's done, you know, away from the games, between the games. How have both of you guys schooled players to, to appear to be confident, to kind of have that edge where, hey, five minutes left in the game, we know we're going to win. Five minutes left in the game, we have a lead. We really know we're going to win. I guess it's just the culture we kind of set up. And I preached to them early in the year, and this dates back to when I worked for Coach Fisher, that we just tell them we're a handful of teams in the country that can win when they don't score the ball, and we are one of them. We're going to play enough defense where with a minute or two to go, we're still going to be in the game with a chance to win. And that's kind of what happened last night. And so it's just the message, it's the culture. It's obviously you don't do it without talent. We've always recruited really talented players, and – I've been blessed to have a really good coaching staff around me, which I thought I did a good job working when I was an assistant to Steve. And so uh, I've been in the league since 1999, and so I feel like I know it, and, and it's a hard league to win. It's a hard road league, and we've just kind of found a way to be fortunate enough to win some of these close games over the years. I feel like you're being kind of humble here. Like, <laughs> you know, like I was making the joke about a week or so ago, like take a guy like a, a Gweka Rope. You know, I was made the joke that he could average two rebounds like he is this year, but I feel like both of them are offensive rebounds like off of a free throw or something like that in the last two minutes of a one-score game that helps you guys win. But it speaks to, like, what your culture is. Like, even those little things, Coach, where it's like never missing a box out, just in those moments you guys always seem to know, and that feels like that's a coaching thing as well as having good players, but your guys are always prepared for those tiny little moments. Yeah, well, we've had its experience. You know, Adam Seiko is in his sixth year. And then a rope, Nate Mensa five years, uh, Jaden Ledee five years, uh, Darian Trammell in his fifth year, uh, Keyshawn Johnson fourth year, Lamont Butler third year. And so I've got two really good freshmen in the program that I think are going to be special, and neither one can get on the floor right now because of experience. And experience wins games, and we've been blessed to always have an experienced team out there. Well, let's, let's build on that and talk about both ends because you mentioned Seiko and then you mentioned the freshmen. When guys come to you, and I'm sure they must come to you at different points, and they say, hey, you know what, I don't feel like it's working. I'm not playing. Or, you know, in the case of Seiko, like Adam Seiko probably could have gone somewhere, dropped down a level, and been a 15-point-per-game scorer, 12-point-per-game guy. What's your message to them? Because I, I know you're not – yeah, I'm sure you're not like, hey, okay, we'll go. You, you want to re-recruit them. What do you tell them that satisfies the older guy to stick around and be a role player and, you know, the young guy, hey, you're going to get your time? I just think it's honesty. It's like when we recruit them, we tell them, if you don't want to play defense, then this is not the program to come to. You know, we'll let you play free offensively, but you have to want to play defense. And if you do that, I'll let you play free offensively. And then the guys that just enjoy San Diego, enjoy winning, uh, we talk about winning. We have a winning culture. And 
you might have to sacrifice part of your game in order to win. And that's like when we had K.J. Fagan and Malachi Flynn. K.J., when we recruited him out of Santa Clara as a transfer, said, Coach, you don't understand. I don't want to score as much as I'm scoring here. I have to. It always comes back to me. I want to be more of a PG. I want to distribute the ball. And so sometimes when you just talk to these kids and when you're recruiting them, you find out what they really want out of their experience. Brian Dutcher's with us. We're getting ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. It's coming up March 5th to the 11th. Go to UNLVTickets.com to grab your tickets, and it should be a pretty tough ticket to get because the uh, resurgence this year of New Mexico is certainly uh, going to help the attendance. We know the Aztecs fans and the, the show is going to travel as well. I think the other interesting thing, Coach, with the way you've built it, um, you guys have had you know similar teams over the years in terms of being able to play defense and, and rebound, and now we're in an era where it seems like more – programs are going with a one-in, four outlook. Why are you so confident in sticking with you know more of a true four-five and playing power basketball when there are other programs who are like, hey, we're going to spread the floor, we're going to shoot, we're going to make you go small? Well, well, we got four men that can't shoot the ball. I better put them inside. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know if they can't shoot it, they got to play around the basket. And so yeah. sometimes it's out of necessity. If I had a stretch forward, I like Keith Shot Johnson shoot threes. Yeah. He made one yesterday but it's like 29%. So, you know, we've got guys in around the basket where if we miss a shot, we can rebound it, or if we drive, we've got somewhere to drop it off to. And so it's just out of necessity sometimes. But college basketball is not the NBA. The true center has a place in college basketball. The back-to-the-basket player, the shot blocker, the guy that can play around the basket. And it's harder to find because the NBA really uh, doesn't use the back-to-the-basket post anymore. They're playing a percentage where they don't think it's, the smart thing to do is throw it to a low-post player with his back. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, across college basketball, I'm kind of fascinated to see what happens with uh, Zach Eddy at, you know, 7'4 and 315 pounds. If someone tries to, you know, spread him out and, and pull him to the perimeter, the problem is on offense, if you've got a six seven center, he might go for 40 and 25. That's it. And, you know, the center, it's, it's interesting. I think those guys are getting paid the highest money in NIL because they don't really see they're wanted in the NBA but yet they're dominant in college. And so you're talking about Kentucky and Gonzaga and Michigan, all the things that those programs are making a lot of money in NIL because uh, uh, they, they got a chance to be NBA players, but they're not rushing there because they're, they're making a good living in college right now. Fresno gave you a tough time last night, but beyond Fresno, who's been the toughest matchup for you guys or maybe the rest of the way? We've had a ton of tough games. You know, obviously, I thought the first game at Vegas was a tough game. The first time we played them, uh, the Rebels in, in Las Vegas was very tough on us. And I just was amazed how many hard shots we, we had to make to win that game. Obviously, we split with Nevada. Uh, we had a, a buzzer beater kind of a game against Utah State the second game. Uh, New Mexico beat us at our place, our only home loss of the season. And so we have to go back to the pit, so we know that's going to be tough. So there's a lot of parity. There's a lot of good teams in this league, and the difference between winning and losing is not as great as what some people think. It's it's paper thin, and we've been fortunate enough to come on the winning end of a lot of those games. What would you think if you guys were uh, able to get you know, into the West and, and the West Regional and actually land here in Vegas? Because for us, this is kind of crazy. Um, I've been here you know, upwards of 26, 27 years, and I never thought the NCAA would embrace Vegas as much as it is doing now. Yeah, I think that's come with the pro sports. I think with the NBA and pro hockey and all the pro sports that are embracing Vegas, I think that opened the door for college basketball to say, 
yes, Vegas is a great destination city to host these events. Coach, we appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you guys up here, and uh, we'll see if you can make the run again. You've had a lot of success in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and it should be a hell of a tournament. There is a lot of balance in the league. Yep, make sure uh, buy those tickets. Come out. <laughs> I mean, anybody can win it. When I say that, I mean it. This Anybody can come from this this field of teams in our conference and make a run at this thing. I'm, I, I believe that in my heart. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. There he is, Brian Dutcher, coach of the highly successful San Diego State Aztecs having another monster year. You know, Boise, Nevada, you guys in Reno. As I've said for now three weeks, Steve Alford's coach of the year. Sorry, Rich Bettino and, you know, Jalen House going down. That whole thing is faded. Tim Miles is close. I was going to say you don't think Miles either, huh? No, I think he's close. But the fact that it's one thing to be the five seed and finish 500 in the conference, you know, when you were picked, whatever, 10th, um, to be picked ninth and – potentially win you know 23 games and like 13 in conference that's a, a crazy job um it's funny we had jeff grammer on yesterday from the albuquerque journal and he kind of not that he came over the top on the the praise for alford but he was saying well you know the their narrative was set because they were so bad last year well like okay they were bad last year they had, they had a bunch of guys who didn't want to be there anymore and didn't mesh with alford wasn't working out yeah. but what he had to replace Oh, I, mean, they're, I mean, they're not again. They're not going to go 500 in conference. They're going to wind up winning 12 or 13 games. I also think, like part of this conversation you're hitting on, there's a lot of really good coaches in this league. They're, like this is a, from top to bottom. There's a lot of really good guys at the helm of some of these squads. I just want to let y'all know that this is just the beginning. We ain't done yet. So I'll make sure to hit y'all back next year, and I hope the crowd's the same. Appreciate y'all. Let's go, baby. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. John Von Tobel's here, halfway point of the 4 o'clock hour. It's Cofield. If you won a Super Bowl, you were the quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team, would you want to have to speak up on stage? Because I wouldn't. No. I would just want to get blasted and then. Well, they did. <laughs> and then they, sit around but, and do nothing. But, but they still spoke. <laughs> they did. Remember Willie at the beginning of the week? He was like, uh, hey, are the Chiefs going to have you know, more fun or you know, be crazier at their parade than the Aces? I was like, yeah, probably. Kelsey Plum was on fire last year. She was. Yeah, but between Travis Kelsey and Mahomes and then who was the other guy? Did you see the – I think this was him in the wheelchair. One of the players on the Chiefs, Jalen Watson – had a photo with him being wheelchaired, with like he slumped in a wheelchair. And he's like, y'all did this to me. With the shades on, too, so with you don't shades. see his eyes. He's just like. He left the parade in a wheelchair. It's the way to do it. It's absolutely the way to do it. I would, I would, I would make my speech short. Yes. Right? Like, that's a really good way to do it. Be like, all right, see you guys next year. It's great. Go Chiefs or whatever they say. Keep chopping. It also shows in the case of guys who are pretty prim and proper, certain players, like Brady, mm. right? Remember Brady with the trophy? Lombardi Trophy in Tampa? Just slinging it over the water? Right, from boat to boat. Right. And he had played it pretty cool, you know, Belichickian, over the course of his career. He lost it. And Mahomes is pretty pretty much on the straight and narrow. But he, uh, he, was, he was fired up yesterday. He was slurring a bit. 
It's good to see. Um, Regular people. So here's the thing, So because you, you're right, because every time we get to hear from them, it's just all coach speak and whatever. They, they say nothing. So you finally get to break the facade and say, hey, they're humans. They're just like us. Did you see the clip of him almost falling off the bus? Because there was that, too, where he's on the top of the double-decker bus, and he's, like, downing a drink. And as he's doing it, he's, like, tipping over the edge of the – like, somebody had to, like, kind of grab him. Oh my God. And be like, all right, bro, like, you're good. And if he, it's great because he does. He stumbles back, and he just kind of tosses the beer. He's like, ah! Like – I think there was another moment where he gave someone the Lombardi trophy to take a picture and then almost forgot the trophy. Really? I didn't see that one. Yeah, like near the crowd. Like it was like a fan? I don't know who was holding it, but he – or he did the opposite. Like he took a picture. I don't know. He, right. he, he, almost, he almost gave it away. Um, you know, I'm falling off the bus, you remember a year ago, Yes. you may not fall, but you may not react to a fall the right way, and Matt Stafford got blasted. As a woman up on stage on a high stage backed up and fell off, I mean, that was probably like a 10-foot fall. Yep. And Stafford just looked over and he was like, nope, not going to help. Right. And just walked away. And people were like, what's wrong with you? He's annihilated. He can't help. And that's why I loved that moment because, one, like you said, he's annihilated. Two, he, like, he probably thinks, like, oh, it's hilarious. She fell. No idea in the moment that she's right. actually hurt. And then, like you said, do you really want the wasted dude to jump off the stage to try to help her? He's probably making it no. worse. If you're the if you're a Rams fan, you don't want him to. Of course, kind of brittle as it as it goes anyway. Can you imagine if Mahomes fell off the bus? I'm I'm, next year. I'm not going to blast anyone for anything they said at the Chiefs parade. But this one from Mahomes, I mean, it's been hit back real hard. Fire this is Mahomes. I guess this was what they used to motivate themselves to get the Super Bowl win. Who we start this season? The AFC West said we were rebuilding. I'm be honest with you, I don't know what rebuilding means. In our rebuilding year, we're world champs. We're world champs. Okay, I mean, that, that's fun. You know, it's uh, it goes with the Georgia player this last year who said, you know, a lot of people didn't believe him, believe in the Georgia Bulldogs. It goes back to uh, Will Anderson two years ago, you know, saying no one believed in us. Um, from the number standpoint, I, I, the only way to kind of correct that, or if he's thinking this, like we weren't as big a favorite as we have been. Right. But you were the favorites. The Chiefs, Not to win the Super Bowl, but the AFC West, they were the favorites. Chiefs fans were really buying into this, though, all year. It was annoying. Listen, he's undersized, and I get it. He's only 5'10 and a half, maybe 5'11 and 195 pounds. Hopefully he gets to 200 pounds by the combine. But he's different. To, to me, Bryce Young is a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. He's so poised inside the pocket. He just has a, an understanding of where pressure's coming from. It will be unique. Maybe a sub-200-pound quarterback going on to be a star in the NFL, but I would bet on him. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. That's Todd McShay talking about the draft coming up, and these quarterbacks are going to make this a gigantic draft. There's going to be so much debate. You got big guys, you got small guys, you got raw guys, you got guys who are accomplished on the collegiate level. Brad is up with us here on this Thursday at Silver Sevens. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is one of those that's uh, it might get annoying to all of us. Uh, although I, I enjoy the uh, the QB draft betting. Todd McShay, there, I I'm shocked that he would throw that Mahomes thing around so loosely. I mean, I, you know, if you like Bryce Young at, you know, 5'10 and 190, it's one thing. But to then roll in Mahomes, I, I think, is a bit irresponsible in terms of setting expectations on Bryce Young, no? 
<laughs> yeah, to, to say the least. I think it's enough. Just the fact that, you know, Bryce Young is likely the number one pick. Uh, and, and if you look at what the, the top, you know, last 300 quarterbacks that were drafted, I think only two out of those 300 had his measurables, and none were taken in the first three rounds. So I think just the fact that we're talking about this kid being the number one overall pick is enough, uh, you know, of saying how what kind of ability he has. I don't think you have to take another step other than that. Well, I, I think I, I want to push back on that for a second. I don't think he was gonna. He was saying he was the next Patrick Mahomes. I think he was comparing his game and Mahomes' ability to feel pressure. Like I thought that was more of like a a game comp as opposed to he's going to be successful like Patrick Mahomes. Fair enough, and maybe that that was the, what he was trying to say there. But I, I I'm not using Mahomes, uh, you know, with a lot of these young quarterbacks yet. I mean, Mahomes, as far as the quarterback talent. Is very unique and obviously the best of the best there is right now in the NFL. I'd also like to add that I'm saying that because I'm hopeful my team drafts him and he's not a bust. So that's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have this debate a lot because uh, we've already talked about Levis and his size and his inaccuracy and his rawness. And, and then I, you know, I also heard people today talking about Levis having a ceiling of Josh Allen and then I don't know who else. Well, because they know, see Ryan, big Ryan, athletic Ryan, dude. Ryan Leaf you yeah. know, at, the, at the other end of it. Brad Powers with us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, certainly. I mean, that, that that's a pretty big spectrum, though. I, that pretty much includes about everybody that's played the position in the NFL. <laughs> All right, let's get into um, Super Bowl, post-Super Bowl betting and reacting. We know we're here at a William Hill property. We know William Hill had a really tough time. and um, It did get a little worrisome the last couple of days. Not, I mean, it's, this isn't an offshore situation where all of a sudden you're like, hey, What's going to happen with my money? But people had a lot of money in those accounts. You know, you start worrying about accounting and what's going to happen with your balance. Um, it got a little crazy there. Certainly. Uh, we've had, you know, it happened in the past that the certain apps, but never the fact that, you know, they've been down for you know an afternoon or, or maybe a day at most, never a three, four-day period. So that, that, that was a little bit worrisome there, uh, especially with some of the issues that are going on there. Uh, so some of you know the, the if you've been reading and, and this is prior to the Super Bowl to some of the insider stuff that, that that has went on there it did have me concerned first time since I moved here that I was concerned that possibly my money might not be safe but thankfully all is well there uh, but then again uh, I mean maybe it might have been a good thing for me because uh, uh, I didn't want to see how much I lost betting Super Bowl props at, at Willie Hill I lost quite a bit well I want to get into the props that you had a tough time with here in a second but. Um, I really wanted to ask someone who, you know, who, who bets real money and probably has a good amount of money in these accounts. Like, for me, I've got a few hundred bucks in there. I'm playing pizza money. You know, I open up my account. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's, you know, I can see here there's an extra 50 thrown in. I, I have no idea what they did for you guys. Like, what, what, what happens when there's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and big players? Do you, do you have any knowledge? Like, you talk to enough people. Did you guys get anything? What would you get? 50 bucks. So, nice. you know, there's your, you know, socialism. Got to love it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I, no, I got the same as you. So, uh, all right, now that, I feel that, bad. Can I give you 40 of it? I want to keep uh, 10, but, you know. I didn't even need anything. I just need to know my money's safe. That's all I care about. I don't need, uh, you know, free bets and all this other garbage. I need to know my money's safe, and I need that not to go down again at such an important uh, time when I was looking to play back. You know, Kansas City, uh, because I, I, one positive thing about Willie Hill is, I mean, they got really good in-game uh, compared to the, a lot of the other books. 
in, in town, and obviously their 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 menu is a lot more. Uh, there's a bigger variety at Willie Hill than there is at a lot of other books in town. Uh, for all their faults, they do have some positives, but the fact that I wasn't able to get to them uh, well, was well, wasn't pleasant. I'll put it that way. So then, what'd you do in game? Who who did you turn to? I mean, were you able to get down some money to to buy back and and at least win some of it? Yeah, a little bit, circa NYSK, a little bit, but uh, it, it still was. You know, you know me. I, I'm a straight shooter. I mean, yeah. it was a loser for me. But the, the, look, I, I had K, you know K, KC uh, pre flop, so uh, there was a little bit of that. I did have some Philadelphia exposure that, that I, you know, in the first 30 minutes, I bet when there you were an underdog. But uh, mainly, I was trying to get off uh, also on the total. I, I had uh, a decent sized bet on the under uh, that, that I wanted to get off a little bit more. So uh, circa Westgate, but uh, but again, Willie Hill is you know. Play after play after play, a little bit more consistent than, than a book like Circle when it comes to in-game. Yeah, you got to wait for commercial breaks, things like that, breaks in the action for yeah. those books. Uh, William Hill, the, the good thing that they do is just snap to snap, you've got something. Brad Powers with us. At Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. So give me a little sampling of uh, what you did prop-wise where, you know, you look back and you're like, man, that, that didn't work out. You know, I, I just didn't, I didn't handicap that the right way. Yeah, Kadarius Tony well, was a big loser for me. Bet over receptions, over yardage. Uh, was healthy enough, obviously, to, to return a, you know make a big punt return. That was a game changing play, but wasn't healthy enough to, to be featured in the offense like uh, at least some of my prop guys expected. You know, Travis Kelsey was one that I got ahead early. Uh, you know, bet over six and a half. I mean, Willie Hill went to eight. I mean, prior to kickoff, as far as that you know receptions prop, uh, that, that was a loser. Thought that would be a winner if you watched game flow. He thought, ah, that, that should be a winner. No, he only had six catches. So uh, that, that was one that went down for me. A few others. I mean, I made about 30, 30 bets, and, you know, this is bad. I went 9-21. and 21. That's as bad as I've ever ran in the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the state handle in a second. John, follow up. So, Brad, I was actually just going to ask, Brad, so when you bet props like that, do you bet them to follow, like, a certain game script all the way through? Because, like, at times when you're doing it in that way, right, you have days where it's going to be really good because if it goes to your script, then you're going to hit a vast majority of stuff. But if you tie everything kind of in the same direction, then you could have some pretty bad days. Do you do generally, like, hey, I have this game script, this is how I feel it's going to play out, and I'm going to bet everything accordingly? Uh, no, it's pretty varied. I mean, okay. it was on, you know, I bet Nick Bolton. You think, oh, Nick Bolton had a big game. I bet over his tackles. He didn't have enough tackles, so he went under. So, and I bet like Boston Scott, you know, as far as longest rush for, for Philadelphia. No, I, I lost on that one. So it was pretty a varied portfolio. It's not like I had a specific game script where I played a bunch of unders, and obviously we had a higher scoring game, and that's why I went 9-21. and 21. So I just think, you know, well, anytime you get that sample size of 30 bets, I mean, you know, if you have a lot of positive expectation bets, I mean, you can still run really bad like that. So Brad's got a pretty big crew that, you know, you guys talk gambling, you do all these shows together, a lot of pros. I mean, these are legit professional sports bettors. I don't even know if this is a big topic, but the handle in Nevada was 153, 153 million down from 179. Um, any discussion of why that might have happened? I mean, William Hill going down, I'm sure, contributed to it a little bit. But what do you think happened? Was it proximity to Arizona? What's going on? Yeah, and maybe proximity to Arizona. Uh, I mean, Arizona. I mean, if you want to take in the festivities, or you know, drive across the, you know, the Hoover Dam, or or just go down to the game. And I mean, you got a lot more different books with the you know bigger menus at the DraftKings and whatnot. So it might have been a little bit of that. Uh, you know, I, I for the pros, the guys that bet big. I mean, as far as side and total, uh, I mean, it was a pretty competitive. 
you know, I'm not sure there was a lot of people screaming and pounding on the table that there was a lot of value in the Super Bowl. I mean, they understood where the line was, and we didn't really see a ton of line movement on the game. So uh, we didn't see a lot of big seven-figure bets like you did. I mean, a few of them, but but usually you see six, eight, and we only saw, what, three or four. So mm-hmm. that probably contributed a little bit. So all the above. And then, I mean, look, five years ago, uh, one state you could bet in. Uh, now we're, we're up to 33. Yep, that changes things. Um, the win for the Vegas books was around 7.5%. I saw the number. Oh, they recorrected it. It's down well, to no, no. No, no, no. You tell me what it is. Oh. What was it? Yeah, can, you know, they had to correct it. I don't know. Well, that's a big uh, right. error, clerical error. They, they recorrected it like two days later and said it was 3.6%. Oh, my God. I didn't see that, the correction. Yeah, look at that after you get off the air. It's right. unbelievable. I've never seen that before. And yeah, the initial number came out. It was like an $11 million win out of 153. Yeah. And the three, wow, 3.5%. Yeah, because then I, I talked directly to some sportsbook directors, and they're like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't win that much. Are these numbers correct in Pennsylvania that they took in $84 million and they won almost 30? <laughs> I mean, it's a 35% hold. That's unbelievable. Uh, I, I wonder what that tells me that they had to be – Dealing a different number than uh, Philadelphia one and a half. I mean, because if you've got that much one-sided action, I'd have to think some of them books, at least the local books that aren't very big, you you had to think that there had to be some Philadelphia three out there, and they probably were still betting Philadelphia. I mean, wow, that's a lot of one-sided action. I couldn't imagine what their loss would have been had the Eagles actually won and covered. How, how much do you think it is like the popularity of same-game parlays over in that neck of the woods with these books? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question. They, they, I'll tell you that the new, you just look at even Jersey, you know, they were, they're basically second state, and they had what, like an 11 or 12% hold. Unbelievable. Uh, they, the new books, the new marketing strategies are working. Uh, they have got these, you know, uh, I'll just, you know, frankly say the idiots. I mean, they got them trained well with these same game parlays. <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough that you should not be betting these things. Well, and, and now, like, what you can do, Steve, is so you have these same-game parlays. You can parlay same-game parlays, which is, like, this weird thing <laughs> that they have now. And you could also, Brad, I don't know if you saw this. I know DraftKings introduced, I think, it relatively recently. You can now put together in-game same-game parlays. Uh, the, the average Joe should not be partaking <laughs> in that, period. When, 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 the average, when one of the, the top five most popular, you know, prop bets was the leaked Script score, yes. and they were betting the actual score to be what was that, like 37, 34, whatever, Philadelphia. Yep. When that's the most popular bet, that's what that's the audience you're dealing with, folks. Let's close on this one a little college football news. I know you follow Notre Dame really closely. What exactly happened with the offensive coordinator deal? They refused to pay out money to get someone else's OC, and then you wind up kind of with a lackluster, uh, lackluster choice. Yeah, optics are really bad. So, I mean, they were trying to hire Andy Ludwig, Utah offense coordinator, a lot of experience, probably needed for Marcus Freeman, who's, you know, still a young coach, and has four days on the defense side of the ball. They take him out to a hockey game. Everybody takes pictures and videos and whatnot. You think if they do that, it's pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered at that point. It wasn't. Uh, there was, you know, some buyout negotiating that, you know, the I's were not dotted and the T's weren't crossed, and uh, it didn't get done. So, optic, you know, optic-wise, it's just horrible for Notre Dame. I'll give you a little inside info. I'm hearing Sam Hartman is not too pleased with what's gone down. He was expecting to play for Tommy Uh-oh. Reese, who's off to Alabama. And then they also told him the Ludwig thing was pretty much a done deal. So uh, stay tuned to that for the next week or so. Wow. All right. 
All right. Well, Brad, have a good weekend. We'll check in with you the next week. Thanks for the spot today. All right. Take care, guys. That's good information. I mean, hey, the players are bouncing around. If you sell them on one thing and all of a sudden the OC is you know downgraded in the player's mind, like it, he made he made the choice for a reason. And in this environment, those players have sway now. Listen to the archives at Cofield and Company at lvsportsnetwork.com, or you can hear all three hours on the same exact site, lvsportsnetwork.com.